not looking at anyone in particular. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I know you can take it. Okay. So, um, good morning, everybody. Um, I hope you're all doing well. Uh, today, I'll be continuing our sermon series on Everyone a Witness, um, which is based on this lovely pink book by a guy called Mike Betts, who leads the relational mission sphere of churches, um, which is part of New Frontiers. Um, and this series aims to prepare us all to be better at talking about what we've seen Christ do in and around us to the people around us. Um, and we've had some great testimonies, um, you know, just now that really highlight that put into practice. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit surprised when Quincy asked me to speak about um, through um, during this series, as I personally find witnessing quite difficult and quite scary at times. And I know many of you will feel the same way as I do. And so I hope that as part of this talk, that you would start to see that witnessing isn't just for Quince or for those who it seems to come really easy to. It is for everyone to be involved in, no matter whether we are introverted or extroverted, or whether we find it easy or difficult. Now today we'll be reading from Luke 10, chapters 1 to 12. But before I get reading uh, for you, I'll just give you a little bit of context. This is about Jesus sending out 72 followers, which is significant because... Jesus started with 12 followers, and we see him uh, here starting to expand his following. At the end of chapter 9, we see Jesus telling a couple of men who he encounters on the road about the cost of following Jesus, and that we should put him above all things. So I hope that helps just to provide a bit of context as to where we are in Jesus' ministry as we read uh, the following passage. So this is Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the har harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. <coughs> Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, Go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. 
So Lord, I thank you for your scripture, I thank you for your word, I thank you that um, you call us all to be witnesses and part of your um, plan to reach the lost, and I pray that you give us um, today a real spirit of boldness um, and help us to really grow in this area um, in, the current, in the coming months and weeks as we um, talk about this theme of witnessing more. Um, so yeah, this passage starts off by Jesus appointing 72 people to go before him into various towns that Jesus himself would later visit. He then instructs them on what to look out for as they go and tell people about God's kingdom. So the first part of the passage is all about Jesus telling these 72 people to go. And this simple two-letter word, go, is the first step for us too. We may not be sent into some random towns in Israel as the 72 were, but we are sent to go into our places of work. We are sent to go into our friendships. And we are sent to go into our families. And all this with a view to share Christ with them and to be witnesses. In other words, to tell them how we have seen God move and the impact of Christ in our lives. So Jesus tells these 72 people in verse 2, which Quincy touched on briefly in last week's sermon, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now sometimes it's easy to think that the problem with unbelievers around us is that they are unresponsive to the gospel. And this might be the case in some uh, instances. But the bigger problem is that many of these people have never heard the truth to begin with. Or they have only heard part of it. Now only God can save anyone from death and free them from the chains of sin. And it is only through the Holy Spirit that the gospel can take a hold of, hold of someone's life. But does that mean that we can sit back and relax and just leave it all up to God? No. Because even though God is fully responsible for the acts of salvation, he wants us to be part of his grand plan to save people and add them to his kingdom. The Apostle Paul, whose life was dead after being called by God on the Damascus Road, was dedicated to sharing the truth about Jesus. He asked the church in Rome, in Romans 10 verse 14, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? See, everyone needs the truth that is contained in the gospel. But if we collectively don't share with anyone, how will anyone find out about who God is? So we have been given this duty of telling people about our experiences of God and how he moves in our lives so that God, through our words, can move in power to save them. How different would our witnessing look like if instead of viewing it as a chore, that we saw it as an honour and a privilege at my ID training week, we had um, a few weeks ago, 
we had someone called Catherine Brown talk to us about following Jesus, which involved a section about sharing our faith. And she really encouraged us to view witnessing as to use her words, an adventure and not a burden. An adventure, not a burden. Such a great quote. um, Yeah. See, if God wanted to, he could save us and then immediately beam us up into heaven and then everything would be great and we wouldn't have to worry about a thing. That would be fantastic, sure. But he didn't. Why? Because God wants us, as part of following him, to be involved in the process of advancing his kingdom. Now, despite how exciting it is to be part of God's plan to reach those who don't know about Jesus, and despite how we know people need to hear the good news of the gospel, I'm the first to admit that this can be really, really scary. Even Jesus, in this passage, does not shy away from the harsh reality. Sorry. Um that the 72, and us also, may face some hostility. He says to them, go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. We do not live in a time or a country that is particularly supportive of Christianity or Christian ideas. But God still wants us to go. And the good thing is that this is not something that we are left to do on our own. Instead, this is something we do in partnership with God, who gives us strength in this. Now, I was reading Exodus 3 earlier this week, and we see this exchange between Moses and God. God calls Moses to go to the Pharaoh and request that the Israelites be freed from Egypt. Moses then questions his own credentials before God and says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What was God's response? I will be with you. It doesn't matter that God is not, no, sorry. It does not matter that Moses is not the perfect speaker and we know that he isn't from scripture. It doesn't matter that Moses is not the perfect guy He literally killed a man like a chapter before. Not a perfect guy. Um, But none of that mattered because God was with him. And we see in the story that God did, through Moses, deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. So it is the same with us. It doesn't matter, you know, whether we struggle with you know, speaking, whether we are introverted like I am. um, God is with us and that is the important thing. And it is up to us to remember that it's not about who we are, but who he is. And he is the most powerful uh, being in the world. Um, So yeah, as Christians, we also have access to the Holy Spirit who will help us to be bolder and to know what to say or do. A theme in this series is words, works and wonders. 
www. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to know what to say, so that's our words. The Holy Spirit helps us through our actions, so that's works. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is behind miracles, so that's wonders. So now we hopefully understand the need for us to go, so that people can find out the wonderful truth of the gospel. And that through it, and their submission to God, they will receive eternal life with him. Now, let us focus on who we are to go to. The 72 were given quite particular instructions about who to approach and how. They are told to focus all their energy on those who are referred to as people of peace. The version I read out says people who promote peace, but the book says people of peace and it has a better ring to it. Um, So this is a bit of an unusual phrase, people of peace. What does it mean? I was a bit confused at first as this isn't really a term we would use in our everyday conversations. The book, Everyone a Witness, refers to a person of peace as being someone who is open to the message and to the messenger. In other words, these are people who are receptive to talk about the gospel and are, to quote the book again, thirsty for spiritual truth. They are not like those who are instantly dismissive of any talk about God, but they might instead be more inquisitive, like the lady at Morrison's. They may ask questions and be more curious as to what we believe in. And looking for these people of peace is really important because witnessing is not about being regimented and forcing everyone we know or speak to to believe something that they may not even want to. I'm talking about us having an attitude where we actively pursue opportunities for us to talk about people, to talk to people about our experiences with God. So how do we look for these people of peace? As I mentioned briefly, one sign is simply looking for those who ask questions and show real genuine curiosity. I'm not talking about people who try to catch us out or who are confrontational about what we believe. I'm talking about those who genuinely want to know more and who don't instantly try to shut us down or argue with us. Now sometimes people of peace are found but at other times they were almost created. See, if we develop a really good relationship with someone, then that person, who might not have been very thirsty for biblical truth at the start, might see how Christ affects us in the day-to-day and become almost envious of the joy and hope that we have in him. And all this can lead them becoming more receptive to the gospel later. This is why we must not give up on people who seem more stubborn and love the people around us, regardless of how cold they might act towards Christ. In the Everyone a Witness book, 
there is an illustration about growing tomatoes. And I don't know if anyone here grows tomatoes, uh, but when you grow tomatoes, you want to pick a tomato when it's ripe, which makes sense. You want to pick it not before or after it's ripe, but at the perfect time. In the same way, we must be patient with people and make sure that we are ready to witness when we are given the opportunity to do so. We must make sure that it is late. No, we must make sure that we are not too late that the, and that the opportunity does not go away and the fruit is not lost. But we must also be patient. It can be easy for some of us to rush in and fall into unnecessary debate with people. And of course, we should be prepared to answer tough questions. And it says in 2 Peter 3.15 that we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But our first thoughts, especially for those who are hostile to Christianity, should be to love them. One example I have is that during secondary school, one of my friends was a Muslim. And so much of the time we would get into debates about religion and it sometimes got pretty intense. We would often talk about God, but there was often an air of competitiveness. And at the end of the day, it wasn't really all that productive. Perhaps it would have been a better idea to focus more on being a good friend and showing the love of Christ through my actions and then finding an opportunity later on as it presented itself. Now, I'll bring to this preach to a conclusion in just a second. But first, wanted you to, to invite you to partake in a little challenge over the next few weeks. And this is simply just to make a list of those people in your lives, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, that you feel like they're potentially people of peace, that in the past may have shown some signs that they are receptive um, to the gospel. And yeah, so make a list of these people. And maybe just when you're talking to them in their you know, day-to-day, just drop a little seed and just see what happens and then go from there. And if you see things progressing really well, Quincy has been badgering us for weeks about this carol service on 10th of December. Um, And it's for good reason. We have um, Adrian Holloway speaking, who is a gifted evangelist and a frequent speaker at events like New Day. And he'll be speaking to us and bringing us a gospel message as well. So it is a good opportunity to invite friends and families who don't know Jesus. So, um, yeah, just remember that if you ask someone to come to the carol service and they say no, or you share something of your faith to someone and they just shut that alley of conversation down entirely, that's okay. As Quincy mentioned last week, whether we see results or not, the important part is obedience in taking a step. And you never know there may be fruit that comes into effect later on that we're not even aware of. So I'll end on this. We are all called to witnessing, even though we might find it scary. So let us try and be intentional with it 
patient with it and bold in it. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I'll now hand over to Nicole, uh, wherever she is, and she'll lead us into communion.